0: You're listening to the wool academy podcast this is episode number 77 hello and welcome my name is elizabeth van delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell in the beginning of march i was visiting south africa and this gave me the opportunity to interview the managing director of BKB, Wolf Edmeyer, in person. We have already had one other podcast interview with Isaac Stats from BKB. So I hope you enjoy this other perspective on the company and the wool industry within South Africa with Wolf Edmeyer. Yes, Wolf. It's lovely talking to you here in your office in at BKB in Port Elizabeth, and I would like you to start by introducing yourself and telling us the work that you do in the wool industry.
1: Um, Lisa, welcome to BKB in Port Elizabeth. Um, the BKB business has its origins as a wool and moe broker in South Africa. Um, in uh, in twenty nineteen, which is next year, we will celebrate. 100 years in existence, so 2019 we hope will be a very good year for us. And we like to think that we are a market-leading uh, wool and moe broker because we are an extremely disciplined organization, we like to keep ourselves abreast of technology and all the developments and the requirements of all players in the wool industry. We're we've had no choice in the last years but to, but to look at other sources of revenue for our business but at this point in time um, the wool industry and the sheep industry remains a very very important part of our business.
0: And what exactly is your role at BKB?
1: Um, at the end of this month which is the end of March 2018 I will celebrate 14 years with BKB and I, I've been the managing director for 14 years so I joined BKB in on the 1st of April 2004, not an April Fool, <laughs>
0: um,
1: as the managing director.
0: And what w- did you do before you joined
1: Heavy? Um, I'm a chartered accountant by training, but I realized, um, I suppose, very soon in my career that that's not what I wanted to do every day. And I, um, I ran a Worcester textile mill for a number of years, an Italian owned one that w- operated in South Africa. A vertically integrated mill. We bought um, tops.
0: And That was wool tops.
1: Wool tops. Mm-hmm. We we spun, we uh, wove, we dyed, and we finished fabrics. And we also dyed wool tops, and then spun uh, yarn, particular uh, counts of yarn for the knitting industry, for both um, um, pullovers, sweaters, and. Um, the hosiery stock stock industry.
0: So you had an experience from down the supply chain and then you came to to the beginning of the supply chain. Yes I
1: I, I guess it's a little bit of wrong way around that I had that experience with um, the wool textile manufacturers at that time but after that I went and ran a clothing factory in Cape Town so although we didn't do an enormous amount with wool itself it was uh, from a, a spinning weaving and finishing Dyeing and finishing operation fabrics. This was the next step in the in the chain to actually make garments. Um, we made primarily for woolworths. Um, we had two divisions of the business we had a workwear division and we had what we call the leisurewear division. Um, the workwear was done for the mining industry and for heavy um, um, engineering. Um, and we, we used some um, wool items in some very technical applications because. Uh, wool has a very high resistance to to uh, uh, fire and also certain splash prote- protection and we used um, um, very thick wool fabric for that for certain s- s- smelting businesses and uh, then we supplied wool with, with our leisure wear um, manufacturing in Cape Town.
0: And did that experience that you have down the supply chain help you then with your job at BKB? No,
1: I I, I think it definitely does. Simply because you realize the risk of contamination at the end of the supply chain. Mm -hmm. And you're able now to say to people, I know what damage contamination, only one component, but you can, you, I've experienced what contamination could do to you. So I know. Uh, the risks of contamination, and mm. I, I think there are a few others. But I think the fundamental pr- principle is is that if you don't put a good raw material into the into the process right at the beginning, you can never expect to get a fantastic finished product. So um, yes, and I I think those are the disciplines that we apply in BKB.
0: And you also own your own sheep farm. Did you always have the sheep farm, or did you start once you were here at BKB? Uh
1: No, I. Um, um, Lisa, um, I have now farmed for thirty-one years, and it's oh. virtually to the day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, when I was in Johannesburg, I started it as a—I a, don't know what would you call it—a part-time. I don't—I don't want to use the word hobby because it's not a hobby, but as a part-time venture, because it's—I enjoyed it, and um, it's been a little difficult because you know I've traveled around quite a lot and so on so it hasn't always been that easy to get there but I now have in my little world I have a fairly substantial operation and I have a I have a herd of, of uh, cattle and I have a flock of uh, merino sheep so yes I have a farm and I look forward to one day when I retire to go and live
0: there. <laughs> okay so you really bring the full supply chain from Farm to fashion they
1: to BKB. I've experienced the whole thing.
0: <laughs> and yeah, tell us a little bit more about BKB. You already um, alluded a little bit to the different things that BKB does, and that you had to venture into other areas. So maybe go a little bit more detail.
1: Um, the the environment in in South Africa um, twenty five years ago was different in that they were uh, there was a lot of legislation and there were single-channel marketing systems and so on. But after 93, uh, which was um, the, the independence, um, all of those were disbanded and South Africa became a truly free market environment. Now BKB had to change itself from being the, the, the sole uh, handler of wool. So BKB used to handle the whole South African clip. Uh, and now in a free market environment suddenly you have competition. But, but if we compare BKB to other businesses agri-type businesses under the s- same circumstances uh, BKB I think has done, actually done very well because we've retained very nearly a 65% market share and I don't think there is anybody else in any of the industries that has been able to do that. And I also think it's because we do what we do quite well. Um, so besides being being a wool and a moe broker we have a livestock and auctioneering business and it's a very dif- difficult uh, business to measure compared to everybody else or the size of the market but we believe we are the most significant player in the marketplace which is a logical extension because if we're selling somebody's um, wool we can also sell their, their lambs and so on and so forth and we can provide rams and all the other bits and pieces Then we've got a number of um, um, supply stores dotted around the country and we have a finance department where we assist under particular circumstances assist with certain financing and uh, certain um, advances on, on products and that in a nutshell with the old BKB business but we have since then embarked on a, a initiative where we want to get involved with the adding of value to more agricultural products We now have a grain division which does um, grain storage, Uh, it does grain milling, we're in the process of building building our second mill. Uh, We also handle alfalfa, lucerne, which is a very integral part of animal feed. Um, And we are involved in the procurement of certain types of um, um, uh, products, agricultural commodities and feeds for other players in in the industry. We have, a, we have a, um, a fruit business, a dried fruit business, which at this point in time handles uh, raisins. And the objective is to grow that business to handle more than just raisins, but to handle a whole collection of products. So that part is in its developmental stage. And then we also have a sugar business where we, where we procure sugar, we pack it into little packets, either in our own brand, which is Atlanta, or we will package it in Um, house brands for a number of retailers and or other users and um, just an interesting one to note that if you have the non yogurt would you say Danone
0: in German we would say Danone if you have
1: in South Africa if you have Danone yogurt (laughs) for breakfast the sugar comes from us Mm -hmm. we are 100% supplier to non with their mm-hmm. sugar for their, for their yoghurt and we are a 100% supplier in the grain business to uh, Pioneer Feeds which their food brand is Bocomo and if you buy Bocomo cornflakes and you eat those for breakfast the raw material also comes from us, we are a 100% supplier to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so why did you have to add all these different income streams to the business?
1: I, I guess. Um, You know, and and maybe we should go back a step. And we have really tried and really worked to get a a really smart bunch of people together. And the management team of whom you've met a large number, uh, I believe is really top class. And if you have clever people, you've got to do things, otherwise clever people get bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's really nice, um, when I g- joined BKB 14 years ago, I was the youngest, now I'm the oldest. Um, and uh, we really have a We have a well-skilled, we have a balanced, we have a uh, well-qualified, we really have a great team. Um, and I would like to think that that shows in what we do and the enthusiasm in which we do business and we engage with people, whether they suppliers, whether they shareholders, whether they are bankers, or whether they are customers. It doesn't matter. We engage in a very, very positive
0: way. Would you say that is typical for wool businesses, or that were originally 100% in wool, that it is necessary to diverse a little bit, or also maybe within wool, diverse into different areas? Uh,
1: Elisa, I suppose there would be different schools of thought on that. Um, for us to, for us to grow in the wool business alone is extremely difficult. You are now involved a little bit with us in an initiative to try and add some value to our wool, which um, we're very excited about, and we would like to see um, what we can do. But it, it, it's not easy, um, and. South Africa, unfortunately, doesn't have an enormous textile industry. Um, we, we, we used to have a reasonable industry, but we don't anymore. So we've embarked on other things. But having said that, you've got to make sure that you have the key competencies and the key skills in place, and you have to make sure that the businesses are uh, uh, sustainable and viable, otherwise you're going to get into trouble. And it would be naive to think that everything you touch is going to turn to gold because it just doesn't work work like that. So every now and then we are tested a little bit, but again, uh, the the team is such that we handle these
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, challenges as they arise.
0: And tell me, why was BKB founded and how was it founded?
1: Look, um, BKB originally, although the name wasn't BKB at the time, was um, founded by a collection of wool growers for the collection, preparation and marketing of the wool club. Mm -hmm. And as I said, the constituent component of BKB, the oldest one, started business in in 1919. So Mm -hmm. next year we will be celebrating 100 years.
0: Okay, yeah, that sounds exciting. And how do you foresee BKB to develop in the next 5 to 10 years?
1: Look, uh, difficult to say five to ten years because I guess uh, I am approaching the end of my career. Um, I don't, um, you know, there's a time to come and there's a time to go. Um, But I think I firmly believe that we have the wherewithal uh, in our team, in in the whole of the of the BKB uh, personnel structure to take the business forward and to develop and grow the business even further. I think one must also accept that we live in a dynamic environment and something that we do today may not be appropriate tomorrow anymore. But we need to have the flexibility and the ability to be able to change that as as we go along. So, where will BKB be? I I would like to think BKB in five years' time will be three or four times as big as it's now and in ten years it will be Mm-hmm. 10 or 20 times as big as it's now, and it maybe listed on the stock exchange. And uh, not Im- we now currently just short of 4,000 people, will be employing 40,000 or 50,000 or 60,000 people. But that's just a dream, and uh, you know, it's a nice dream. And I think we have the wherewithal to be able to do it.
0: Okay. So, a big vision for your success, big, right? big vision for <laughs> But
1: it's, it's also important to, to note, Lisa, that I think the person who comes and sits here after me is already in the building. And I think we've done a lot to, as they say in the classics, to grow our own timber, and I think we have the people in the building that can do that.
0: Oh, excellent. Okay. It'd be
1: interesting to hear your views on that because you have met most of them.
0: (laughs) Okay, but maybe not on tape today. (laughs) (laughs) And well, let's go a little bit back to the origin of the, like, to the topic wool, so can you talk a little bit about the South African wool industry? What is the situation today?
1: Um, I think the South African wool industry is stable. Um, we have a clip of just around about fifty million kilos. It has been that, a well, slight one or or half a percent up and down over the last 10 years, but it's been pretty static at around 50 million kilos. Um, I don't know how easy it's going to be to grow it in any significant way, simply because um, the environment in which we farm today has changed enormously over um, the last years. People are much more concerned about the environment, people are much more responsible in what they do and I agree with that um, you know we are entrusted for a, a relatively short space of time with a farm or a patch of land and I think it's important that we look after it so that when we pass it on to the next generation that we do it in an even better condition than it was when we got it having said that there are all sorts of initiatives in the industry to be able to uh, um farm with sheep more efficiently, more uh, productively and I would like to think that we'll be part of that as those initiatives develop and uh, eventually when those benefits actually come through. So uh, not a clear-cut answer. Stable industry, uh, very um, very uh, um, um, passionate industry um, and I see that. You experienced it the other night the day before the sale, the people come and are very excited about the sale mm-hmm. for the next day. So, um, I, th- I think it's yeah, it's with us for forever. I would like to think.
0: <laughs> yeah, and what kind of um, like trends and issues do you see f- that the South African wool industry will face within the next five years, or so it's facing right now, and will face in the next five years? Yeah, yeah
1: I, I um, the the environmental issues are perhaps. Um, the most important one now, but not only strictly environmental, it's also, we are faced with um, um, the so-called threats uh, to sheep, which are uh, various various animals, being jackals and or cats, that um, I guess also have to eat, and they see that as an opportunity. (laughs) uh, Well, uh, 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 lynx is Mm. the primary one. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think lions and tigers or lions and leopards are on the prowl that they do that. But we we primarily have jackals and uh, lynx, which are smaller type cats, Mm. but nevertheless very dangerous. Um, That's a threat in certain areas, and. It, one needs to find the balance between the conservation concept, which I said to you at the outset that I believe in, and the commercial uh, farming of, of sheep. But I believe there is a there is a uh, there is a balance, and you see uh, areas where both parties work well together, then they both have successes.
0: And what about the drought that is
1: um,
0: captivating the country? I
1: I am. Um, I had a talk to a friend of mine who is shearing at the moment, and the area of the country where he farms is most probably suffering the worst drought of anywhere in South Africa. But he told me that he is shearing the most beautiful wool that he has ever shorn or sheared. Mm -hmm. Do you say shorn or sheared? (laughs) Because uh, sheep, within reason, like drier weather. So his his wool is going to be fine, maybe slightly lighter because in, in weight because of the drought conditions. But he is going to have a, an absolutely amazing clip. And um, we do have areas where it is very dry and conditions are extremely difficult. But we also have a very supportive environment, and when I say environment, I mean. Uh, 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 farming industry throughout the whole country, people in areas where it's not so difficult will donate things, and we participate in certain initiatives and certain programs to help There you know, lots of other people that do as well, so I suppose, although it's not much of a consolation necessary, but every day that you go in a drought is one day closer to when it's going to rain again <laughs> and, and we hope and we trust and we pray that rain will come soon and that um, conditions will improve
0: Okay, and you also are uh, well connected internationally and you are exposed to what's happening within the wider range of the industry. In what market segments do you see the most potential for wool?
1: Um, The the South African clip, Lisa, is primarily a fine white wool clip. So our application in the in the world in the marketplace is primarily in the garment industry and I suppose we have up until now been very dominant in in outerwear we, whether it be woven or knitted um, I would say there's perhaps more woven than knitted but those are the, those are the areas where we are are dominant and in the discussions and in the interac- interaction that we have it is very nice to to experience the fact that the South African wool club is in demand and I see that when we have a sale every single kilogram gets sold so we're in a good space as far as that's concerned I'm always very happy when I travel and I look at the major brands in the world the world's leading brands and their top items their exclusive items their um, amazing garments that they do are generally wool garments, (laughs) so we're in the eye of the consumer, the consumer appreciates it and we'll carry on making it for as long as that consumer wants it. But I also think that we're in a space right now where there's enormous cooperation around the world and I think everybody is pulling in the same direction, so we have an environment out there where uh, um, wool generally is in demand, there's lots of development that's taking place. The new items, new ideas, some very, very nice ideas coming out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think we positioned for great things.
0: Excellent. And well we now look closer at wool but let's move wider into agriculture again. How do you see the South African agricultural industry develop?
1: Um, Lisa, the geographical spread of BKB as an operating business in South Africa is unique in that it takes me to all parts of South Africa. A lot of agribusinesses are limited geographically to certain areas. That's just the way they originally were built and it's still the way they are. But we are across the whole country. And one of the greatest privileges that I have, one of the greatest privileges that I have in my position is able to meet some really, really amazing people out there. And um, I suppose everybody from every every country in the world says so, but the South African agribusinessman, the South African farmer, the South African producer is an amazing individual who does an amazing job under sometimes very difficult circumstances. And to me it's just uh, a wonderful privilege to be able to meet them and work with him. The future? One of the things that the, the world needs and is always going to need is food, and except for the wool part, we are intimately involved in making food. The other one is that um, the available land in the world is only so big. Now. The world makes more people, the world makes more cars, the world makes more airplanes, it makes more boats, it makes more buildings and what have you, but nobody makes more land. The land we got Mm. is the land we're gonna have to survive with. I think that's a challenge, but I don't think it's a threat because there are wonderful things taking place to improve efficiencies, to improve productivities, and more than that, to get yields which 20 and 30 years ago people wouldn't have thought possible. Now, and this is not my story, but we all experience it. If you look at the rate of change in the last 20 or 30 years, it is changing exponentially. And I think that's gonna carry on. And um, I fundamentally believe that the South African Farming fraternity is position to use those, they embrace technology, they embrace new ideas, and and they will carry on doing that. So, we're in a great business because we make food, the world needs food mm-hmm. and we work with an amazing bunch of people.
0: And politically how do you see the government influence the agricultural business on?
1: Um, Lisa, um, I'm an eternal optimist. So, I Really believe that um, sound, logical, uh, um, good old common sense thinking will prevail. I do acknowledge and I do accept that we need to do some things in South Africa which perhaps aren't that popular, but we need to, to do it so that um, we improve conditions for a lot of people who perhaps haven't had the right conditions over the years. But again, I believe that the willingness is there and if it's done in a responsible and sustainable way, it'll happen. So back to the eternal optimist. I think those things are going to happen. I think we have a president, albeit that he's only been in the chair for a month or so, uh, who is uh, going to be a participative type of CEO for the country and rather than force things unnecessarily or unreasonably, he will have a participative approach and that he will encourage people to work together to improve conditions. Now, going and clinically, I've got to say to you that I can't see any other way to do it other than a participative and an inclusive way. And again, I think that the, an organization like BKB wants to do that. I think the people that BKB deal with want to do that, and not only the, the producers or the agribusinessmen or the farmers out there that we uh, work for, but also the people that we sell to, no matter where it is in the world. So you caught me on a good afternoon, I'm feeling good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and what role can South Africa play on a global level in regards to agriculture?
1: Look. Um, I, I, I guess when I, when, I, when I sit here in my office in Port Elizabeth, I think that um, BKB is a relatively significant player in the South African industry, but the harsh reality is, is that South Africa is not that big a player in the t- international industry, but uh, we can be a catalyst for lots of things. I think there's a lot that can happen in Africa and BKB can ha- assist in that not as simple as as saying it because I think there are other challenges but uh, the last remaining unutilized fertile land in the world is the southern part of Africa so there must be enormous opportunities and let's hope that the the powers that be will have the necessary thinking and clear mindedness to make sure that we are able to tap that for the benefit of everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, before we close, can you please share your most favorite memory that you had while working in the wool industry?
1: <laughs> Was this question on the list? Yes. Oh goodness, oh, goodness. <laughs> this, one, this one I didn't think about. Um, um, Lisa, I suppose I have many um, wonderful memories, but to me there's one thing that I can say about my career and particularly about my 14 years in two weeks time with BKB, is that every morning when I wake up I look forward to going to work. And I look forward to going to work because of the, primarily about the people that are around me and whether they are visitors from Europe or whether they are colleagues in the office or whether they are people that bkb as an organization deals with I really enjoyed that and that is what made what's made me be excited about what we do so i I think I'm a people person I think I'm a team player and I think maybe that's what's contributed to that
0: and you had met a few young people who had their first, or maybe now their second week at BKB, what would you recommend to them? What kind of advice would you give them?
1: Uh, simply, I think you must embrace um, and, and you must make maximum use of all the opportunities and everything that this organization offers. And uh, I've seen that over the years with new people that have joined us. We really offer amazing opportunities and we we just have such a progressive modern thinking that young people who join this business now are uh, they have the world at their feet. But you know, in the old days they used to say you can lead a horse to water but you can't mm-hmm. make a drink. So if you're part of Bkb it's it's up to you to embrace and use and to the maximum benefit, everything that we offer.
0: Excellent. And where should our listeners go to find out more about BKB?
1: Well, we have a, a um, we have a fairly nice website, which we try and improve all the time. And a website's an interesting thing because we may have a great one today, but tomorrow's not that great anymore. <laughs> and um, we are um, actively improving. Um, PKB's participation and position in social media. We are really working hard at it to improve visibility, to improve communication through all these modern things that are offered. A little bit of a difficult one to ask me about detail because...
0: Yeah, i am make sure to link to them in the show notes Wonderful,
1: wonderful, wonderful. Excellent.
0: Well, thank you so much, Wolf, for your time, I know you're busy okay. with so many different businesses in one and yeah, lots of success and congratulations to you. 14 years coming up.
1: <laughs> thank you, Lisa. Um, it's always wonderful to talk to you and uh, um, I'm sure we'll carry on talking for many years. <laughs>
0: Hopefully you enjoyed this interview with Wolf Edmire from BKB. If you want to find out more about the company, just head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 077. Once again, that's elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 077. Thank you for listening. Talk to you again next week and bye for now.